Welcome to the Wellness Within podcast. We are a nonprofit wellness center for patients, survivors, caregivers, and families affected by the trauma of cancer. We provide a wide range of services that enhance an individual's ability to experience quality of life. And we believe that everyone should have access to our programs and conversations, which are offered freely to ensure that no one is ever denied the support they need. If you find inspiration in what we share, we invite you to consider supporting Wellness Within through a donation. Your generosity enables us to continue offering these valuable resources to our community. To make a donation and contribute to the well-being of those facing cancer, please visit our website at wellnesswithin.org or click the link in the episode description. Your support makes a difference. So thank you for being a vital part of our mission. Together, we empower whole person well-being, bridging gaps, and reconnecting to what is most meaningful. When grief is handled poorly, just like with layoffs, all the other employees or all the other members of that person's team are watching management handle it poorly, and they're taking note of that. So, you know, so-and-so just lost their partner and they're not getting much support. Wow. So if I were to lose someone that I love, I'm not going to get that much support either, or this is how my company's going to handle it. And in some cases, depending on the situation, it can even cause either the person who's grieving or someone else they work with to leave. Welcome to Wellness Within. We would like to thank UC Davis Health, Elizabeth A. Harmon General Dentistry, and Columbia Bank, who in part sponsor this podcast. Join us for relaxing meditations and enlivening conversations about topics that support wellness in the presence of cancer. To access our class schedule, to make a donation, or to sign up for our newsletter, please visit wellnesswithin.org. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Wellness Within Podcast. I'm Patty Brown, founder of Wellness Within. And today, I have someone very special that I'm in an interview, someone that I've actually grown quite fond of and and is very dear to me. This is actually going to be her third time on our podcast. And this one is super special because she is also now an author. So she is a consultant, a writer, and founder of Saltwater. Saltwater is a blog and online community for anyone who has lost someone near and dear to them, as well as anyone who wants to support a loved one who is grieving. She's been a guest here, as I said, a couple of times before, and I want to encourage you all after you listen to this to go and check out the other podcasts that her and I have done together. Amazing information, heartfelt, intelligent conversation. So today we're going to talk about what I'm really excited about because I actually stumbled upon this. I was telling her, uh, Margo, earlier, Margo, folks, did I even say her name? Margo folks is here with us today. So Margo has published a book and I found out I was looking at Instagram and I saw the release of her book and I was so excited and I cannot wait to have this conversation with her and share it with you all. Her book is called Leading Through Loss, How to Navigate Grief at Work. My thoughts on this book, I'm going to talk about it a little later in, uh, in this podcast, but I wish this book was out many years ago few different times, more than a few different times, as I was experiencing my own grief in the workplace. I have not seen a book, anything quite like this. So 
Let's get on to it. Before we delve into the contents, I'd love to know a bit about why you wrote the book, Margo. What prompted you to do this? Well, first off, Patty, it's so nice to see you and, and have another conversation. I'm so pleased to be on the podcast again, because I always find that you and I just dig in and have the most interesting conversations. So thank you for having me. That's an honor. So I wrote this book because it's something I've been thinking a lot about for a long time. And it's certainly come up in my consulting practice, especially with COVID and, you know, all the losses that we've had. But it really has come up even more within the saltwater community because I would be talking to someone who was newly connected, for example, and inevitably what they would talk about in part was how hard it was to go back to work after the death of their loved one. Mm -hmm. It just really struck me that there was not a lot, as you mentioned, there's not a lot out there. And as hard as it is to support someone who's grieving just in our personal lives, that it's even harder when you're talking about supporting someone at work, because you may not know them in the same deep way that you know a friend or a loved one. Mm -hmm. And so it's often very challenging to know what to do or what to say. And so that's really where I started was with this idea of what do you say and what do you do when someone who's grieving goes back to work? And the more that I wrote and the more that I thought about it, the more that I realized there's not a lot out there and there needs to be. And so that's why I wrote the book. So that was the impetus. And was the timing, Is it? it was it COVID that sort of gave you that, okay, now because of what we were experiencing COVID, not just that maybe your work situation changed a little bit, but even what you were experiencing? I think that was it in part. It may have brought it more to the forefront. And then also during the time, which now in a funny sort of way, seems like a distant memory, the time when we were all at home indefinitely, I certainly had more time to write and think about what I wanted to say. So it was, it gave me that opportunity, particularly in the early phases when you're just trying to get things on paper. Mm -hmm. I had a lot more time that I wouldn't necessarily have had if we hadn't been working from home for a period of time. Yeah, that's true. Let's really start to kind of delve into it, things a little bit here in your book. When we talk about grief in the workplace, you oftentimes hear about it in the news or conversations or with other people that will say, oh, I'm working. Especially, it seems if I go to recently, even in COVID times, I heard about it quite a bit in my own work. You know, someone had passed COVID or someone had passed and no one could be there in the room because of COVID. So it's often in the context of bereavement leave, though when it's talked about in the corporate world, right, in the news, mm -hmm. how little time off people currently receive and how much they should get. I mean, that's kind of the conversation. What do you think? How, how much time should people take off? I noticed that you don't talk much about bereavement leave in your book. Why is that? So bereavement leave is really important. Hard stop, for sure. And we do not, as a country, offer enough time off for people. I think right. the national average is like four days, which mm -hmm. is, as you know, is nowhere enough to deal with just the mechanics of the loss and all the arrangements that have to be made, much less allow any time to just sit with the loss and begin to process it. Right. But the challenge is, is that, that sometimes what you hear is this sort of assumption that's, that's often unspoken, but I think it's there of... If we could just offer two weeks or a month, then that would solve the problem. 
Oh, right. Yeah. And what I kept hearing from people as I started to, to interview them for the book was that it was no matter how much time they had off, they still had to go back to work. So when I talked to Truck Stoll, for example, who took three months with his wife after their only child, Gage, died, mm. he said, you know, I still had to go back. And when I did, most people didn't say anything. Right. And so that's literally where I started was that that re-entry point, right? And what it made me realize is that as important as bereavement leave is, if mm-hmm. we don't fix the re-entry, then there's only so much that the bereavement leave can do. Yes, it helps. And yes, it's important, but it isn't where it has to stop. That's just the beginning. That's that's just, it's almost like a basic thing that we should provide. But right. now we need to talk about the meat of the challenge, which begins when the person is ready to return to work, no matter how long they've been off. So uncomfortable though, Margot. I'm a little tongue in cheek when I say that to you, because that's that's what I would get from people. Well, they don't really want to talk about it. Right. They just need they just need to get back to work and dive back into work and distract themselves. Don't exactly. bring it up because they may be upset at work. Exactly. Well, and that's the thing, Patty writes, some people do want to go back to work pretty promptly and they don't want to talk about it. But just like with all the grief that you work with at the center, everyone is different right? Some people don't want to talk about it. Right. But some people, even when they say they want to talk about it, they, I don't think in a work context, they mean, oh, I want to sit down, Patty, and I want to spend an yeah. hour mm-hmm. discussing how sad I am. But what they're really saying is I want you to acknowledge it. I don't want to sit in the room feeling like my life has been shattered and have no one at any time when I am at work, even acknowledge that I have had this massive eruption right. in my life. Right. And I think that's really key what you're saying, too. I think that's where the education comes in is is this notion of, look, you're not going to be open up a Pandora's box here. You're basically acknowledging that your life now is completely different because of this loss. And Mm -hmm. I, I recognize that you come back to work with this hole in your heart. Exactly. And so often, too, when there's some beautiful examples in the book of, you know, Andrea Corradini at Nike is one where she talked about coming back to her office and finding a little bottle of wine and a card. And the card said something like, you know, go home and tonight, you know, have a glass of wine and toast to your mom because her mom had died. And it's like those little moments, right? The person who left that for her did not have a conversation with her. Right. But she just left this little token there with this note saying, I see you. I see your pain. I know you're thinking about your mom all the time. And here's, you know, just know that I'm with you when you That's do. what I love about the book. And these are like little tantalizing nuggets that when you share these kinds of things with people, because it gives people little ideas. You can do it this way. It doesn't look one way. It looks many different ways. So mm-hmm. here's some ways other people have done it. I love that. I think that's what we need is like, oh, well, I can do that. Then I don't actually have to have the conversation. Right. Exactly. I think that's just beautiful. Okay. So moving on to since bereavement leave isn't mandated in the United States, corporate bereavement policies tend to be limited and quite specific. The sample bereavement policy that you included in your book, it came from the United Kingdom. I wasn't surprised really, but What do you find most compelling about their approach? So what I love most about the approach, and I'm so grateful they let me me share it, is that if you read it, they treat 
their employees like adults. So rather than saying, okay, if you fit in this category, you've lost your child, you've lost your parent, then you are entitled to X number of days. They simply say, if you have lost a loved one, then you are entitled, in their case, they offer two weeks. And that may be more than than organizations can offer. So it's not a prescriptive thing, but that's just what they offer. Mm -hmm. But what I love about it is that it gives space for someone to come and say, I've lost my grandmother who raised me, who was like my mother. Then the manager is not in a position where grandma loss only gets you two days, say, instead of four days, because it's sometimes considered a more distant relation, right? Right. They don't have to do any of that, of that kind of, you know, special request, or I'm sorry, I can't give you the extra leave. They can do it based on the situation in front of them. Because as you know, sometimes people are closer to their, to a grandparent than a parent, or they're closer to a cousin than they are to a sibling. Right. There's that flexibility that I really love in there. Yeah. And they also the other thing I really like is that they they build in the flexibility to take the time sometime in the first year. So as you also know, yes, we need time right after the loss, but then it's an ongoing need. So we might need to go meet with an, a trust attorney. We might need to go down to the bank and close accounts. We have all these ongoing paperwork demands and other things like that. Mm-hmm. And so this way you don't have to take regular time off. You can use the bereavement leave spread out over a year as you need it. Or if you just need an afternoon off because it's really hard to be at work that day, then you can go to your manager and say, I'd like to take a half day of my bereavement leave today. I love that. And I, I have to always remind myself when I saw that, you know, when you mentioned about the UK is taking their approach, you know, this is what they do. We are a young country <laughs> and we are, we're learning. And I think it's people like you who are passionate about the topic, who put a book together that helps in not just corporations, but, you know, caregivers as well. You know, I mean, people who really can understand and hear some great tools to as a company and as an employee where your person sits next to you or that you've been working with, you know, I mean, they, it hits all of that. And I think thankfully that you wrote this book for everybody to start this learning process, to deepen it, to understand this is really important. It's, it's a topic that I think it's not talked about because it's uncomfortable. And it's not comfortable because we don't have the education and the tools to understand how to even begin to navigate it and unwrap it. Exactly. And my hope is, even though the book is geared more towards leaders, that I've also been really happy to see folks who've bought it, who've said, you know, it's helped me go into my boss and say, would you consider doing this? Because as you know, when you're in the middle of grief, you right. don't think very clearly and you you don't even know what to ask for sometimes. Right. And there were times when I was doing the interviews for the for the book where I thought, well, that's a brilliant way to handle that. I wish I had thought of that. Yeah. And so we need those stories too, which is another thing that was really important to me in writing the book. You know, when you mentioned about not a lot of other books out there, the few that exist do not have stories in them. And to me, the wisdom is in other people's experience, not just mine. So I have this one narrow experience, if you will, but 
that's why I talked to 25 other people because I wanted to hear how they handled it in a variety of different professions and different situations because we're all different about what we need and what works and what doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's dive a little deeper into the contents of your book. So in the first two chapters, you explain what grief looks like for those leaders who may not have had the experience. And with it, you outline the cost of ignoring their employees' grief. I've heard people use the phrase, grief is costly, which I'm sorry, my cackles on my back are going up right now. There's something about that. <laughs> grief is costly. Like, hmm, okay. What does that mean when it comes up in the workplace? What is, what is that? I, I don't think I even understand it because I just get emotional too quick. So what I mean in this context is that there's a cost to ignoring it. There's a damage that can get done to the organization because what happens if people don't get this, if the individual person who's grieving does not get the support that they need, mm -hmm. there have been a lot of studies done that show that absenteeism, for example, goes way up when someone is grieving and they don't get the support that they need because they can't, they just don't feel like they can go to work. So they take more time off, for example. There's also a lot of evidence that shows that presenteeism goes up with the idea that I'm at my desk. You know, I'm at my home office, if we're, I'm not in an office, working, if you will, but I'm not functioning the right. way that I normally would be because I'm not getting the acknowledgement and the support that I need. Right. So there's a cost on an individual basis. But the other thing that happens, and we're seeing this right now again, too, with all the layoffs that are going on, is that when grief is handled poorly, just like with layoffs, all the other employees or all the other members of that person's team are watching management handle it poorly. And they're taking note of that. Right. And they're saying to themselves, whoo, so, you know, so-and-so just lost their partner and they're not getting much support. Wow. So if I were to lose someone that I love, I'm not going to get that much support either, or this is how my company is going to handle it. And in some cases, depending on the situation, it can even cause either the person who's grieving or someone else they work with to leave, yes. which has a huge cost to the organization. Right. And when I said cackles up for, you know, gets me emotional is because it is, seems so obvious. Of course, this is going to happen. Of course, these things are going to happen. Right. But maybe that's therapist to me. Maybe that's the, um, yeah. But you know what? It's funny, Patty, we don't think about it. I was thinking about this very topic the other day, and I was remembering when we lived in, in a different area of Sacramento, and Jimmy, Molly wasn't born yet, and Jimmy was about three, I think, three or four. And I caught him one day throwing his stuffed animals over the railing and because uh, we had a two-story house. And I remember getting really irritated with him. Jimmy, we don't throw things like that. You could hit somebody, you could break some, you know, the, the usual lecture right. that mom gives, right? Mm -hmm. So a couple days later, he's at preschool and I'm do, I'm tidying up the house and I'm going to throw a load of laundry in and I gather the sheets off of our bed and I catch myself mid-throw tossing him over the railing. And I realize, oh, that's where he got it from. He watched me do it. And that is exactly what happens in the workplace, right? We forget that the people that we work with, who work for us, we're watching all the time. All the but time. you forget because people don't necessarily say anything. Yeah. They set the tone, the pace, the the rules. That is interesting. If anything, that's an attention grabber, right? If I'm running an organization and, and I get into the nuts and bolts of the cost. Mm-hmm. 
and how, you know, then maybe you really get the attention. Okay. I mentioned this earlier in the podcast. I said, that, I said this one, when I was reading Margot's book, like where the heck was this when I needed it selfishly, when I needed it, where was it? <laughs> I really wish there had been a book like this because I think it would have been helpful, honestly, to hold my own feet to the fire of running my own organization. And I, I can be empathic and compassionate to others, but I did not handle it even well as myself as running a person running an organization. And so it was really interesting. Even what you just said now, I just realized like, oh yeah, I didn't do very good modeling. Not really. So I lost three people in my family when I was, one was not running the center. One was in private practice days with my dad. And then my mom and my brother was in the thick of it of running the center. You know, my mom, I had, when she passed, there was already this holiday open house at the center that we were having two days after my mom died. And I went because we were short-staffed and I was the founder and executive director at that time. And I went. And honestly, <laughs> I, I think what's fascinating is I was not really in my body. I recognized that I was going through, I was very robotic going through the motions. And when what people would ask, oh my gosh, your, your mom just died a couple of days ago. And I say, yep, yep, yep. I wasn't even attached to my mom. So I was giving off the impression as if I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But I was raw and numb. And I was giving definitely the impression that I was fine. And so I think there's there's this duality of education of how we want to treat our employees around the, you know, the conversations around grief and how to treat people and help people around that and create that. But also for if you're running an organization, it's like, how are you managing it for yourself and giving yourself permission to model it? Well, and I think to me, those were some of the most fascinating conversations was to talk to people who were, who were the leader, the CEO of the organization, who had to go back to work after a profound loss. Mm -hmm. And they, there was the greatest disparity almost in terms of experience there because you have these different leadership styles. Now you layer on the death of a parent, the death of a spouse, the death yeah. of a child, the death of a sibling, and now they're back at work. And it was really, it was fascinating to hear the different ways that people handled it because some people needed time, but a lot of them powered through just right. like you're describing. And, and sometimes it was conscious. Like I think of Sherry Raisler who runs Society for the Blind in Sacramento her brother died very unexpectedly and she went back to work a week later, but it was conscious. She said, I, I could not sit at home with the magnitude of this loss. I had to be at work. Mm -hmm. And so she was proactive in telling her team, I may get really upset. I may oh, be very yeah. forgetful. I may miss deadlines. You have my permission to come to me and say, Sherry, remember that memo that you said you would write or that phone call you said you would make or whatever it was, you haven't done it yet. And I really need you to take care of that. Mm -hmm. And she said, but I also need to let you know that I'm going to probably snap at you and it's not intentional. It's just going to be, you know, something that's going on with me that day. So she did a really beautiful job of letting people know where she was and what she needed. But then you contrast that with somebody like Ann Head, who went back to head cycling after her husband, Steve, died. And she describes it literally as I powered through. I was like, I'm good. 
I'm now the CEO. I've got this. We are moving forward. And she said, in hindsight, looking back, she said, I don't think I made enough space for other people to grieve the death of Steve. And it was so much about I was trying to hold everything together for people and myself that, you know, when she looks back, she says, I wish, you know, I had paused a bit more and allowed people to express a little bit more what was happening for them. But again, you know, it's so hard in the moment mm-hmm. when it's who's grieving. So then you're already giving some tools just by sharing the stories, which is the beauty of putting stories in your book is giving examples. But what are some ways that both the grieving employee and his or her boss can ease the pain of returning back to work after loss? So I think there's a couple of things that come up up front that are really important. One of them, which seems so basic in some ways, but often gets overlooked, is once you've talked to the employee who's lost someone and gotten their permission, is to let everyone know. Because otherwise, what happens is the person comes back and the people that don't work with that person regularly or just haven't been informed may assume they're on, they've been on vacation because they don't know. They haven't, you know, I haven't seen you around the office for a week. Where have you been? And now the person's in this really uncomfortable position where they actually have to tell their colleague mm-hmm. why they've been off out of right. work right. for the past week. So that's yeah. that's really important. I think another thing that's really important is the is the literal point of reentry that that needs to be thought about very carefully. So for example, sometimes it's best for someone to come in for a couple of hours and go through that period of time where people do want to come up and say, oh, Patty, I'm so sorry. You know, I heard about your brother, your mom, your dad. Mm-hmm. And you just know that for those couple hours as the person who's grieving, you're just going to have to kind of hold that. And that's going to be okay because this is people's time to come and say something if they want to or give you a card or a hug or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when you start back at work, you've kind of gone through that part of it before you start back. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing is sometimes to either start back back part-time or come in towards the end of the week and get maybe, you know, Thursday or Friday in versus trying to come back for a full week Mm -hmm. right up front. Those are great tips. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, the other thing that I think is really helpful is having what I called in the book, a point person. So as we've been talking about, you know, we're all different. Right. And so what's really lovely is if the grieving employee has a close friend at work who can just come to their boss or another coworker and say, you know, Margo's having a really hard day today and she doesn't want to talk about it. So please don't bring it up, but her eyes are going to be red. She may seem like she's not paying attention. This is what's going on. And so you just get that, you get a, someone that you can ask a question of like, ooh, she seemed, Margo doesn't seem like she's okay today. Is everything all right? Without right. having to go to the person who's actually struggling with the loss. So the employee that goes to the boss and tells the boss that, mm-hmm. if you're the boss now, what do you do with that information? So I might just, you know, kind of put the word out to give a bit of space to, you know, if it's me, give Margo a bit of space today or if you were hoping that she was going to give you something this afternoon, you know, a spreadsheet, a, a memo, a report, it, it may not come until tomorrow and that's okay. We're just going to, you know, grant her a little bit of extra space and grace to kind mm-hmm. of get through today because it's particularly hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I might also, if I were the boss, I might go and check in and say, you know, Patty, I, I've heard from 
you know, whoever your point person is that today's a, a really hard day. Would you like to leave a couple hours early? Mm. Um, you know, there's, would you like to take a longer lunch? Would you like to go for a walk either mm-hmm. by yourself or with someone? Mm-hmm. Just those small things, you know, where you can, you can just offer the person a chance to just recover a bit or just have a little bit of extra time to finish something as, as things allow. I mean, I understand that sometimes a deadline is a deadline, right? Right. but even just kind of naming that it's a hard day can sometimes help just by itself. Yeah, that's good. My husband worked for a very large organization for 30 some odd years. And I, there were so many different losses of different people in his organization over the years. Some tragic losses. Uh, I'm going to be careful how I say this, but I remember sometimes when I would ask him about a specific one that was very tragic. How's everybody at work? You know, how's everybody, I mean, that's really awful. And he says, nobody's talking about Yeah. Right. Like, uh, I don't know if I should, because I don't know, maybe. And then there was an assumption made that maybe that person who's grieving or had that tragic loss has sent word out that he doesn't want to talk about it. Right. So people make their own decisions without really checking in with somebody. So there's this check in with the the boss, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. check in with someone who you think they they they're friends with, you know, yeah. how is so and so doing? You know, I want to I want to say something, but it doesn't feel like they maybe want to. Exactly. But I guess it it, it kind of also goes back to you don't have to do it to that person. What you were saying earlier in our our conversation is leave something on the desk, right? But, you know, there's also that guidance, like Kate and Nathan tells the story about a colleague where she was on the phone with a colleague and learned that that someone that person worked with had lost a child. And Mm -hmm. so Kate is very empathetic. And she said, oh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to call her when she gets back to work and I'm going to tell her how sorry. And the other person said, whoa, 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 she doesn't want that. She does not want the loss discussed at work. She doesn't want it acknowledged. Please don't. And Kate said it was so helpful because she said, I would have kind of barged right in with the very best of intentions Mm -hmm. to say, I'm so terribly sorry. Would you like to talk about it? You know, and it's exactly what the person did not want. Right. And so it was really helpful to have a third party just say it without where there's no shame. No, you know, it's just simply information. That's not her preference. Mm -hmm. And then it saved her from doing something that wouldn't have been helpful, even though she did would have done it for all the right reasons. Yeah, definitely. That's good. So in reading the chapter on navigating the death of an employee, it struck me, kind of we've been talking about this already, though, it struck me that we don't talk much about what to do when an entire team or organization, a department is grieving. Why do you think that is? So I think part of it is because we get really caught up in, oh my gosh, how are we going to manage this Mm -hmm. workload without this person? And so there's a lot of attention, quite rightfully, paid on who needs to be called, which clients do we need to reach out to, what proposals need to get finished, you know, all of the, just the logistics at work. Mm -hmm. And sometimes what gets overlooked is, is telling everyone that this has happened Instead of maybe just telling like the immediate, sometimes what happens is only the immediate team is told. And what the boss doesn't always think about or the manager is that that person worked with other people at the company 
And so it isn't just the team that needs to know, it's really everyone that needs to yeah. know. Yeah, great. And it avoids, you know, gossip, speculation, parking lot conversations. It, 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 again, there's a, there's a confidentiality here. I'm not suggesting that they should, people should be given any information that's not appropriate, mm-hmm. but the news of the death should go to everyone so that everyone knows so that there's no, ju- there's no speculation about who knows the person who doesn't, it just should go out across mm-hmm. the company. I think it's important also to allow some time for the people who knew that person to gather and acknowledge the loss. And I think in the busyness that sometimes that opportunity doesn't get created. Mm-hmm. And so those conversations happen around the water cooler, in the kitchen, out in the parking lot, right. and they don't involve everyone. And so there's this almost unsettled feeling yeah. of someone's gone. We're really sad, but we but we don't get to stop and actually really you know acknowledge the loss even if we get to go to the whatever you know service funeral celebration of life that happens with the family i believe it still needs to be acknowledged at work totally agree with you absolutely and you know it's it is hard to function at work right after the death of the one of your essential people i mean it's just, yeah. it is so your advice to leaders who are grieving was i was going to say it was exceptional it was helpful, yes, and it was exceptional in shining a light on things that people really don't know. It's it's not that they don't want to, if they don't know. Right. And so I, I think that has been, that you know, there's many nuggets of uh, takeaways in this book. I think, I hope our listeners will read the book and listen to some of the podcasts that we've done together as well. Could you share a bit of what you would suggest as far as your advice to leaders? So I, what I hope that people take away from this is first and foremost, the importance of saying something, of acknowledging the loss and not just the, the, the direct manager you know, doing it, but really allowing the team, the organization to, to also acknowledge that loss. Um, I think it's really important to support the employees' choices. Because as we've touched on earlier, you know, when each of us grieves in different ways, and also we grieve different losses in different ways. So if depending on who we've lost and all of that, we may need different things at different times. And so it was interesting to talk to people who where someone actually said, well, I wouldn't be back at work now, or I wouldn't be doing that, right? Right. Yeah. very important to just give people the space to make their own choices and not have them and not even if you think to yourself, wow, I don't think I'd be back at work at this point. That's okay. You're allowed to notice that, but whatever your employee is doing is what they need to do. And your job really is to work with them in the, in the best way possible for the company, because the work still has to get done, but to support them in whatever they need without judging it. And what would you suggest? I like the not judging part of it a lot too. Um, And what would you suggest to that employer, that boss, if they recognize they don't even know how to do that? They're uncomfortable with all of it. I know, tough question. I do think that some of it is you have to wade in. I mean, some of it I think is if you are in a leadership role, then I think you have to find a way in to have at least some of the conversations on the phone or in person, depending on the circumstance or, yeah. but I ideally are having the, the, the conversation in person. 
But I think there's a certain amount you can also, once you've established that you are there, you want to be supportive, you you are willing to acknowledge what's happening. I think you can do some of it via Slack or email, that kind of thing. Right. So that it doesn't all have to be intense one-on-one conversations, which is probably hard for the person that's working for you too, right? Right. Well, and the reason what, what prompted that a little bit, to be honest with you, is that I, I have over the many years known different leaders of organizations who really lock up. Maybe a part of it may be personality. Part of it is a little bit being on a spectrum, you know, and then the emotional stuff and trying to figure out how to do that. And so for me, one of the things, and I want your thoughts on this is to go to somebody to ask someone to help you navigate through it. Absolutely. Yeah. And now, I, and I think that you can ask someone else in the organization to help with some of those conversations. I think yeah. coming to whether it's HR, someone like me, there's there's other ways that you know you can get both advice on what to do or coaching on what to do, but also, you know, you may need your own point person in that case. Because right. I completely recognize that there are some folks that it is just too hard and they are likely to say something unintentionally hurtful right. to someone who's grieving. And there's no shame in in acknowledging that and saying, I've asked so-and-so, you know, to really run point for me here. So yeah. instead of the grief, the person who's grieving, having a point person, you know, maybe the, the leader needs a point person just right. to make sure that, that they're not doing something that, you know, again, makes things worse unintentionally. Yeah, for sure. Cause I, I mean, my bias is that that makes you even better leader is to be Absolutely. recognized. That's not your real house and you need to get somebody who can help you. And the other thing I want to acknowledge too, which I'm sure you've seen as well, is that certain kinds of losses can be triggering too. Absolutely. The leader may be great, right? When it comes to the death of a parent or even a spouse, but it may be if they've lost their own child or it's something that deeply terrifies them, they may have a much harder time supporting an employee who's had a young child die. And I, I completely recognize that. So again, it's about knowing ourselves and when, when and how and where we need help as leaders. I love that you pointed that out. I really love that because I think, I think, yes, I think that's spot on and it probably happens more than what people realize too. Yeah. Because sometimes we don't even know that that's what it is, right? Exactly. Well, and I, one of the greatest gifts I've gotten from Saltwater is that because there are so many different kinds of losses that people bring to the community. It's really taught me that in one way, this stuff doesn't get any easier because I used to think, okay, I've lost my son. So now when someone loses someone dear to them, like I'm good, I know what to say. I know how to be supportive. I know how to show up. And and certainly I've learned a thing or two. Absolutely. But I still find myself tongue tied in the face of certain losses where I find myself simply just saying, I'm so sorry and not knowing what to say next because it's it's just so devastating. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. All right. I want to end here by asking you to share what you most want our listeners to take away from this conversation that you and I have had here today. What are one or two pieces of advice that you would give a leader about helping their employees navigate grief in the workplace? And you've already, all throughout this conversation, you've been dropping all those seeds, but how would you summarize? I have the conversation. 
talk to your employee directly about what they're going through and what they need, and then keep talking because it will change. And there will be days, particularly six months, a year after the loss, where you look at, at Patty and think, she looks great. She looks like she's back to her old self. She seems to be doing so well. We're good here. And you may not be. And so it's important to just keep checking in for a period of time and just to make sure that that everything's okay and that there isn't anything you can do to be supportive. Uh, one of my favorite questions, which someone in the book suggests is, what does support look like for you today? And I love that so That's, much. It is such That's a great changes, question. Right? It covers a <laughs> magnitude of things, right? Exactly. That's exactly. Okay, you gotta say that one more time for our listeners to hear that. What does support look like for you today? Did you guys hear that? It's a great way to end. That's great advice. I love it. Thank you so very much again for a lovely conversation, rich in every way. And I, I want to encourage our listeners. It's better to get it in paper. I got it in Kindle first, but I have ordered it online because I need the paper. I need to dog ear and highlight. It is a book. Maybe you want to give it to your boss. I'd say this is something that who knows, someday it may come in handy, but I think it should be on everybody's shelf. I really do. I think it's, we live in a world that is in a lot of pain. It doesn't get any easier to navigate. So I appreciate what you've done here for all of us and for organizations, leaders, and just, you know, there are also caregivers in workplaces who, you know, lose someone and they have to go back to work right away. I mean, there's, there's for, this is a whole swath of people that this book can really be helpful so I appreciate it. Thank you so much for giving us this much time today. Oh, thank you so much, Patty. It's always a joy to talk to you. That was awesome talking to you too, Margo. Take good care. And that's a wrap for us here, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Margo, folks. And please check out her book, Leading Through Loss, How to Navigate Grief at Work. Take care, everyone. Bye.